Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christofferson. Michael Brunts will be along shortly. He has decided to start this podcast off with a moment of silence for an indeterminable amount of time. So we will see him or hear from him at some point. Brian, the big news this week, Nebraska misses out on legacy wide receiver Keegan Johnson. He has chosen to go to Iowa. Uh, A lot of conversation wrapped up around what Scott Frost and Nebraska is doing in terms of in-state recruiting, uh, particularly in this cycle, missing out on Avante Dickerson, now Keegan Johnson. What were your thoughts when that news came out on Wednesday? And overall, do you think there's reason to be concerned about Nebraska's recruiting in its own borders? Um, Well, first off, toward the end, I saw it trending toward Iowa with Keegan. So I wasn't shocked when he announced that. I have to admit, when it first started, when he first got the Husker offer, I thought, of course, he's going to be with Nebraska. His dad played here. And uh, the Johnson family, it felt like it kind of been waiting for one of their own to get offered. And so it seemed all set up. Um, You got to give Iowa some credit in recruiting recruiting him and their position coach who made a connection with him. I don't think this, uh, we have to make some dramatic big picture statement though. Every time an in-state guy uh, decides to go elsewhere. And I know right now there's been two in a row with Avante Dickerson and Keegan that have picked elsewhere. And so it's very in vogue right now to act like, Oh, this is a crisis. Nebraska can't protect its own. So far, prior to this, this staff had done pretty well if you look at their track record in-state. And I think sometimes, um, you know, when Nick Henrich committed to Nebraska, there was a lot of doubt for a while about what Nick Henrich was going to do. I remember people wondering what was going through his head. And then when he picked Nebraska, it was sort of like, oh, of course he picked Nebraska. So I feel like sometimes when an in-state guy picks a local team, it's like, well, that's what's supposed to happen. And there's no credit that's given. And then when the, it goes the other way, it's like the worst thing that could possibly happen and you should shut down the program. I think there's an in-between, I think there's an in-between response probably to some of the, uh, the far-reaching uh, thoughts I hear when things like this happen. Yeah, I, I mean, I would echo a lot of what you just said there, and, and that's kind of just been the conversation for me since Wednesday. And look, it's a loss. Like, I, I, I hate it when I feel like I have to kind of try to rein things in because then it seems like I'm diminishing the loss of, of the recruitment here. And it absolutely is. I think Keegan Johnson would have been good in Nebraska's offense. I think between what you've seen Cade do and CJ do when he was healthy at Wyoming, I mean, those guys had nice college careers. I expect Keegan Johnson will. It's a bigger loss because it's to Iowa, and now you have to play him for four times, uh, maybe five times, depending on how they work out the redshirt thing. It's a bigger loss because it's Iowa, and there's just – eats at you a little bit more. I mean, and, and certainly Iowa fans have reveled in that uh, a lot this week. So there's there's a lot of factors that go into that. But I, I just think that Nebraska went forth with their effort on it. I mean, they made the offer. They didn't get them. If they hadn't made the offer, then the whole conversation would be, why aren't they offering in-state kids? So it, it's a – it's just a situation where it's really hard to win sometimes. It's, it's hard to, uh, to, to please everybody in that situation. If someone like Keegan Johnson gets to Nebraska and they have a career like Jalen Bradley, then it becomes, well, that was a waste of a scholarship. So it's just – it's a never-ending 
circular battle where you always look bad unless everything goes right. And that's part of the difficulty with recruiting. And the other thing that I think people need to realize is that other teams are very good at what they do in recruiting. Iowa has done a really nice job recruiting Keegan Johnson. They built a great relationship with the family. They built a good relationship with him. It superseded the relationship that he had with anybody at Nebraska, whether that be Scott Frost or Barrett Root or the new offensive coordinator, wide receiver coach, Matt Lubick. I think losing Troy Walters uh, was a part of this. And I also think at the end of the day, there's, there's some value to Keegan in going somewhere and doing something different than his dad and seeing that his brothers had success with that. And that makes it easier for him to get away from the Johnson family name at Nebraska and go somewhere else with it. Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes we act like the Husker legacy thing when it comes to recruiting is a given that that person, the next in line is going to say, yes, I want to be with Nebraska. But I have to think there are certain cases, and Keegan said as much in some of his quotes, where that can go the other way on you and a guy wants to maybe, you know, chart his own path. And, you know, if Keegan comes to Nebraska, he understands everything gets compared. Oh, remember when your dad did this and that? And they're, they're, I'm sure that's some of that's what goes through your mind. And as we've stated before on this podcast, I think geography still matters in recruiting somewhat, but I think it matters less than it used to. It's not just happening here. We've mentioned yeah. how Miami can't keep their guys. Nebraska's gone, gone into Iowa and stolen some guys out of Iowa, too. And Nebraska went into Minnesota and got Bryce Benhart, um, who everybody would really like up there. And so um, I'm just saying, let's not overreact to this. Um, and it, even going back to Avante Dickerson, I remember he said he didn't grow up just rooting for Nebraska football. He wasn't one of these kids who grew up as a Husker fan. And you got to keep that in mind. Some of these kids didn't grow up sitting in North Stadium. Now, in the case of Keegan, obviously he knows the Husker history, but not every in-state kid has the same background as a Husker fan or grew up living and dying with the team on Saturday. So each recruitment is its own animal. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and look, Nebraska, I think, will do fine in terms of wide receiver recruiting this year. I'll be curious, you know, what spin Matt Lubick puts on it. They've got a big battle with Jalen Noel coming up, Iowa State, the other team involved there. And, and if they're able to get that, that's one. I think they'll take at least three wide receivers. Numbers could allow them to maybe take four. Uh, but I, I'll be curious, you know, what it looks like when we get closer to the end of things. And I, I think there's a lot of wars being waged with Keegan Johnson in the middle of it. And, and some of it is sort of the cultural war of how Nebraska goes about offering and, and evaluating relative to what Iowa does, how Nebraska goes about you know, pressuring and trying to get commits relative to what Minnesota and Iowa and Wisconsin do, where they fill up their class by the time you get to the middle of June. And even in the pandemic, you're still seeing that play out with Wisconsin and Minnesota and Iowa, whereas with Nebraska, it's still kind of the slow and steady approach. And that's the way that they want to recruit. That's how that's natural to them. I, I don't think you're going to see that change. I don't think you're going to see them, you know, send up panic signals and do anything different and go against who they are and the quicker people can understand and accept that the easier it might be to handle some of this and slow and steady could help them out I mean Nebraska's best recruiting pitches are likely in front of them it's not pointing at the last two years it's you're hoping to get that season in and then the things go in the right direction and you can point towards progress being made 
So I, I do think there's some some things where people are really caught up with the fact that Nebraska only has six commitments. They're caught up with the fact they've only had two positions recruited right now. And all of that leads into this sort of exasperated angst over a couple of these in-state guys. And I, I understand there's a lot that goes into it. Um, but the reality is Nebraska isn't going to change who they are and how they recruit for anybody. And Keegan Johnson, Avante Dickerson aren't different in that regard. And, we'll see how it plays out because the last two years it's gone pretty well for Nebraska just being themselves. They have to, you can only assume that it gets better if the results on the field start to match what they're selling in their recruiting atmosphere. We also had a really good story on our 24 seven sports site about the incredible number of commits that have happened already at this point this year compared to past recruiting classes. I'm talking about in the country. Um, it's like, what double it basically double what it usually is or something as far as guys who have already committed at this time compared with previous cycles and the premise of that was basically let's wait and see what happens because this thing's going to get crazy I think I really believe this is going to be a wild cycle where when it gets opened up and kids can visit um I think some kids are going to change their minds I think there's going to be more flip-flopping than we've seen in previous classes that's just my prediction based off the numbers. Maybe that's not what's going to happen at all. And of course, we'll see when all the visits and stuff gets sort of back to normal. That That's a big factor in this. But I do think, uh, you know, right now, Iowa and Minnesota, I think, have top 10 classes. And that's good for them. I'm not knocking that at all. But let's see where this thing ends up. Because I think there's, I just think there's a lot of chapters to this book still. All right. Uh, I think Michael Bruns is, is back with us. Do you have any thoughts on Keegan Johnson ending up at Iowa? I think you guys hit on, I thought your, your summation of things is probably where I come down on it. I mean, it's certainly the, the, the kind of not back to back, but pretty close, um, you know, proximity of decisions by Avante Dickerson and, and Keegan Johnson probably makes that look, uh, you know, bad, especially when there's no football and nothing else to kind of distract the mind right now. But, um, you know, I, I think Brian's right where, you know, sometimes the legacy thing works against you. Um, you know, I think when you look at a lot of these kids, uh, you know, Nebraska is not the slam dunk that it used to be for in-state kids because, you know, what, what's, what's history to them? I mean, you go back 10 years uh, to basically when Nebraska joined the Big Ten and a lot of these kids that are making decisions right now are, you know, seven, eight years old. So uh, that's kind of what you're working against. I think it will uh, improve when Nebraska's results improve on the field. But, uh, I just think that, you know, if, if you're Nebraska, all you can do is, is keep recruiting, uh, in-state kids hard. I think they've done a nice job of offering early, but, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I don't think that this is a, a, a sky is falling big picture look at Nebraska recruiting based on these two decisions. All right. Well, let's uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, I've heard that the wheel is coming out and uh, it will have a, a spin and we will see what topic it gives us to discuss here on the Husker 24-7 podcast. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. 
there's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We are back. Brunts, what condition is the wheel in? Have you buffed out some of those bumps and bruises it's sustained over the last year? Yeah, it's already spinning right now. I don't know if you can hear it, but oh, um, it's it's going. So, um Still going. Wow, this thing's really going. The the buff. You have been working out though. I have been. Uh, hair's been growing. So have the uh, the guns. So yeah, there's that. Um, oh, stops. Cool. Oh, wow. So as as you guys kind of hit on uh, in the last segment before I uh, jumped on, things are a little negative um, with with the recent uh, news on the recruiting trail. Um, but taking a look and it's kind of stole this from the board this week. What, what are a couple of reasons that you guys can point to, uh, positivity wise or, or positively that things are moving in the right direction here? Let's, let's, uh, let's change the narrative a little bit. What do you think? Brian, do you want this one or should I start? Oh yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead. Sorry. My, my zoom was a little delayed there. Um, I think one of them is the 2019 class. I mean, I, I really believe uh, this recruiting class looks good on paper, uh, spread across the board at different positions. And now let's see what they can do. Last year, we saw bits and pieces of some of those guys. They've got in some. Obviously, Wandale was a phenomenon. But now the whole class, there's guys like Ty Robinson and Bryce Benhard and Nick Henrich. There's all these interesting characters. You can talk about the defensive backs from that class. How much are they going to contribute, and how can they change the look of Nebraska's depth chart this season? I think that's a reason for optimism, just the hope in those guys. I think also the offensive line. um, Going in, we expect them to be pretty good on day one when football resumes. I think last year – we had no idea. And they really weren't consistent until maybe November 1. So it took like two months into the season until they really took off. So I think the fact that the offensive line should be in better condition. And honestly, Cameron Jurgens um, now having that experience at center, I think he'll have the snap issues under control, better command of the offense. I think that's going to make everything around him a lot more fluid. So those are a couple of reasons for optimism. 
I, uh, I'll start with the defense. I, I like Nebraska's defense. I like their defensive backfield. I, I think that at linebacker, we're going to see some guys. I, I think this is a team, and feel free to, to laugh at this or whatever, but I think this is a team that has some guys that are going to be big contributors that we're sort of either discounting or aren't anticipating big things from. But I, I think they have a number of guys on that defense that could be breakout quality players for them. Guys that are either seniors now that haven't had the chance, like Deontay Williams, to stay healthy and improve it. Um, or, you know, even even somebody like DeAndre Thomas, that this is kind of their opportunity to shine. Like, I, I just think there's an opportunity out there and this pieces finally match what they want to do. A guy like Nick Hendricks stands out to me as someone that if if he comes out and he's the kind of player that he was as a recruit, that changes the whole way we think about this defense. And if they hit on some of these guys, it changes the way that we talk about this team. Instead, we talk about what they might be and all the shortcomings, but we don't talk about where they might break out. And that 2019 class, Ty Robinson, Nick Hendricks, Miles Farmer, I mean, you guys got guys on all three levels that could be good players for you. And if you get some of those guys to to really rise to the occasion, it can change the way that we think about this defense and this team. And then on the offensive side of the ball, outside of wide receiver, I like everything else they have going on. I think they're a little thin at running back, even with John Bivens joining the uh, the team here. And I think we discussed that on the last podcast. But I, I do think that um, with, with Nebraska, you're – you're looking at an offense where they've, they've got a running back and, and Dedrick Mills they're comfortable with. I think they, they've got some talent behind that. We'll see with Adrian Martinez where his progression can be. And receiver is a big kind of question mark, and it's going to remain that way until we know who's on campus and, and everything else. But I, I just I like where they're set up at. I, I just think they're in a, a good shape. And the schedule is going to be difficult. They're going to be forced to, to win some toss-up games. But I think this team – has more going for it than maybe the doom and gloom presents on the message board or Twitter or wherever it is that you have your Nebraska conversations. But And I'm the furthest thing from an optimist, clearly. But I, I like this team seemingly more than other people. Brunts has a smirk on his face. Oh, I was just thinking thinking about our conversation about the Vikings before we started recording. Four and 12. <laughs> So, I, I, for a lot of the reasons that, that you guys hit on, I, I think the offensive line is something that they're going to be able to build around offensively uh, with some veteran guys there and some young guys uh, pushing those veteran guys. I, even though they're replacing a lot of, uh, on the defensive line, I think they've got enough bodies there that they can make that work. And they've got size, which I think that's something that they've maybe lacked a little bit too. I mean, every, every one of those nose tackles they've got is over 320 pounds. Um, and, and Ty Robinson, who's basically the fourth nose tackle, is uh, 315. So, you know, I, I think that that's one reason. I think that offensively, uh, they, they certainly took their lumps last year. I like that Greg Austin is more heavily involved in game planning in the run game. I think that the decision to simplify things is a good one because it just seemed like Nebraska was really just kind of – grasping at straws last year at times to, to make that thing work. So I believe a lot in Greg Austin. I think he's a fantastic coach, and I, I think more of his voice is a good thing in, in addition to what uh, Matt Lubick is going to bring. 
And, and then lastly, I, I just think continuity on the defensive side of the ball is important. Um, you know, for the last seven, eight years, we've seen just turnover after turnover uh, in, in coaching and style. And I, I think that, you know, even though the, you had Javon DeWitt leave, Mike Dawson come back, I mean, he's been around, he knows the, the situation. You're having the, the third season under the same defensive coordinator. I think there's a benefit in that. So the, those are, are kind of where I'm pointing to for, uh, you know, positive things. And also, you know, you guys touched a little bit on the quarterback spot. We'll see what Adrian Martinez can do. I mean, that's the big one to me. He's shown he can be an effective quarterback in this offense as a freshman. He took a step back as a sophomore. Can he get back to that? And if he can't, I think that Nebraska's in a better spot uh, to potentially have other options there than they have been in quite a while. One more thing. I, I'm not here to bash Troy, Troy Walters as a coach. He's a guy who did well and won a, you know, he was a Broyles award finalist a couple of years ago, but I got the sense and now listening to more guys talk that they needed a change of voice in the wide receivers room. Um, I, I don't know what the disconnect was there or why it was there, but there was a disconnect and I don't think the receivers last year were very precise. We didn't see a lot of guys who we hoped would develop quite come along as we thought they might to provide that depth. And so I'm not here to say it's going to be all uh, uh, sugar and rainbows with Matt Lubick now. Uh, but I think, I think the change was probably necessary for those guys to hear from somebody different and see where that goes. So you can, you can have hope that that, that new uh, guy in the command chair um, can really change some things there and, and bring along some of the, not just a true freshman, but some of those redshirt freshmen like Demarion Houston and Jamie Nance, who I think need to step in and be a part of this depth chart this year. Before we go, BC, one of the, the we've been doing those poll questions a lot in the last month. The, the most recent one on young defensive back that you believe could kind of, I, I think of it as you phrase it as like a breakout which apparently is my big buzz term for this podcast, so I apologize for saying it a bunch. But who uh, who do you like out of the young defensive backs in that room to have a, a sizable impact, if you will, on the 2020 season? Well, it's a tough, it's a tough question because I think there's three good choices. Um, and the three good choices, and we can split them up here, I think are Miles Farmer, Braxton Clark, and Quinton Newsom. Um, I think Braxton Clark and Quinton Newsom could have a real good position battle to sort of settle who is that third corner along with Cam Taylor Britt, who they like at corner or nickel and DiCaprio Boodle. Um, so that'll be interesting. The other guy, Miles Farmer, I know everybody on this podcast is pretty big on him. And that's, uh, that's not just us talking. We, you know, you, that's educated research. The people in North stadium, think a lot of Miles Farmer's potential. Um, I'm not saying that Miles Farmer is going to go take uh, Markel Dismuke's job or anything like that, because they like Markel Dismuke and they like Deontay Williams a whole lot. But I do think he could bring more of a rotation to this safety spot than we've seen in the past. Brunt, who do you like? Yeah, Farmer's the big one to me. I mean, I think, you know, the, the corner spot's going to be interesting for sure with Newsom and, and Clark. I thought Braxton Clark played pretty well in, in small doses last year, but 
you know, since, since he committed, Miles Farmer is a guy that we've been hearing about, just how much they love him over there for his potential, how under-recruited he was uh, relative to his ability and skill level. So I'm kind of like Brian where, you know, I, I don't know that he necessarily wins a starting job, but he was a guy that last year I think Nebraska – would have played beyond the four games if he would have been healthy all season, um, especially with Deontay Williams injury issues. Uh, he's a big physical kid. He, you know, very athletic. And I, I think he's really the future of that position. So uh, at the very least, I think he can push uh, those seniors and in, in Williams and Dismuke. But uh, I, I just think that he's a guy that you're going to be hearing a lot of over the next uh, four years. I went with Braxton Clark, and it's not because, as, as I think it was either Brian, maybe Brun said it, there's only two of you, I got a 50-50 chance, uh, that Miles Farmer, I, I like him a lot too, but the thing that stands out with Braxton Clark is there's a great opportunity there. He's in that battle with Quentin Newsom. He's really made a lot of strides, but we've been hearing good things about Braxton Clark since the day he got to campus. I mean, the way that Travis Fisher brought him up in the fall camp in 2018 was a real signal to me, like, this is a guy to watch. Like, he's not – Travis Fisher hadn't been someone that would just volunteer information. And so when he mentioned that Braxton Clark was really pushing early for playing time, that stood out to me. And and that was in the context of Cam Taylor Britt, who everybody was fawning over at that time. And so um, an injury kind of derailed the, his freshman year a little bit with Braxton Clark and, and uh, slowed him down. And then – you go into his redshirt freshman year and they've got a pretty established group of corners and he's, he's kind of the fourth option there, but he gets his opportunities when he does, he comes away with an interception against Northern Illinois, grabs a fumble in the Maryland game, finished with uh, I think 13 tackles, played every game, started against Purdue and played well when he was in. And, and he's the type of corner. And I didn't realize that he must've grown another inch because Nebraska now has him at six foot four, 210 pounds making him, I think, the tallest corner on the roster. Um, not, and might be one of the tallest corners they've had. Brunts is going to stat check this, I feel like. But um, I, the way that he plays, and, and not to turn this into any sort of Vikings talk, but it's similar to how the Vikings would use Xavier Rhodes. Like, you, you have him body up receivers. You have him play physical. You have him – use the boundary and his length and you take away a ton of space. I mean, when you have a corner that can do that, it, they don't have to be the fastest guy in the world if they can take away space with length and, and arm length and being able to, to, to close windows down. So I, I like where Braxton Clark is at. I think that he's going to be a starter for Nebraska this next year, and I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being their best corner either. You know who else Braxton Clark makes me feel good about is Tamon Lynham. Just because yeah. – when I look at – They're almost the same, what they were in high yeah. school and, yeah, the well, same area. Yeah, and also Braxton Clark – it's not like Braxton Clark didn't have some decent recruiting offers, but he wasn't the most highly regarded recruit you've ever seen. And when he was picked up, I think a lot of people are like, really, who's this guy? And Travis Fisher trusted his instincts and his own eval on that one. And we'll see if he's completely correct, but so far it's promising with Braxton Clark. And he did very much the same thing with Lynham, a guy who didn't have a ton of offers, but Travis Fisher really believed in what he saw. He liked his length. As you say, there's sort of a similarity there. Lynham's not quite as tall, but I think as he fills out his frame, we're going to compare those guys very much in how they stack up stature-wise. 
I think one of those true freshman corners is going to be in the mix as sort of a four-game interesting wild card this year. I don't know which guy it's going to be. It might be Lynham. I don't know if Delancey or somebody comes in and makes an impression or Jaden Francois, but I think one of those guys will uh, nudge their way at least where we're like, oh, okay, this guy's going to be somebody to watch. I was surprised that Schaefer's correct. He is uh, indeed listed at 6'4", 210, which, uh, I mean, good for him for continuing to grow, I guess. Um, but you, the, the thing about Bre- going back to Braxton Clark, there, there's always some schools and, and coaches that when they offer a kid, it, it kind of makes you notice a little bit. I mean, Wisconsin's that way with offensive linemen. And, uh, you know, the fact that Braxton Clark was committed to Virginia Tech for quite a while um, in, in, a, in a Bud Foster defense, that to me, um, you know, it, it's not the necessarily a, a huge seal of approval, but I mean, I, I think it speaks to maybe the evaluation of what he can eventually be. And I mean, hell, it's 6'4", 210. Uh, if you can be physical at that size and, and run as a corner, um, you, you're going to make yourself some money someday. All right. Any uh, any closing thoughts before we shut down another successful week of the Husker twenty four seven podcast? You guys got big weekend plans? Uh, yard work. I got to do some yard work around that hammock to make it uh, stand out. I am playing golf. That is my big weekend plan. I'm playing on. Uh, we're recording this on a Friday. I'm playing this afternoon. I'm playing Saturday morning. And if weather allows, I might sneak out on Sunday, too. And then by Monday, I will have my clubs on eBay and will have retired. That's a a full weekend. (laughs) Golf and commerce. That's the plan. All right. Well, uh, as the silence has befallen both of my coworkers here, it is time for me now to go to the big finish. And that is always to implore you to check out Husker 24-7. Uh, a lot of great stuff. I've written about some different recruits that you haven't probably read about here recently, including uh, some stories on Mandela Tubin. Gino Vandemark will have a story on Aiden Kelly and some other guys here this weekend as well. So be sure to check that out. BC will be popping through with the polling questions and other things. Brunts and BC are working on a series where things were left off in the spring with various players on Nebraska's roster. All of that and more at Husker 24-7. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.